Hello, I'm Lisa Murray, the City Historian at the City of Sydney Council, and you're listening to Letters of Complaint, a podcast based on our popular History Week event. Join me as we unearth the best, worst and most bizarre letters of complaint from the 19th century. Sourced from the City of Sydney archives, you'll hear neighbours complaining about all aspects of life. This is Episode 3, Sydney's Chinese Community. February 5th, 1883. Dear Sir... Permit me to bring before you the following complaint that I have to make respecting the premises of number 70 Oxford Street with a depth to Burton Street. The following premises are occupied by Chinamen, which number about 40, and the disgraceful state they keep the premises in, the stench, it sickens that rises from their yard, and I, unfortunately, I live next door to them, and I don't like it. I hope I have a right to make the following complaint. They have, besides, about five tonnes of dry timber stacked up on tiers, reaching all but a few feet to the top of the house, which, if it was known, I don't think it would be allowed. And a spark from the fires they burn would set it all of a blaze in a moment's notice, thereby endangering life and surrounding property, which danger also prevents me from getting any insurance. The house they occupy, I believe, was one of the first built in Oxford Street and it is in a very rotten condition and in a fit state for condemnation. Trusting, sir, that you will see to the matter and believe me to be your humble servant, hairdresser and co, 72 Oxford Street. What a snippy hairdresser you are, blowing it all out of proportion. Let's straighten this out once and for all. Chop, chop. My response. Mr Watkins and myself inspected these premises at 12 o'clock yesterday. There are two water closets on the premises and these and the whole premises were perfectly clean and no more timber there than required for the business and I find no cause for complaint. Except about your apparent dislike for your Chinese neighbours. It's absurd, isn't it, sir? The way that people treat the Chinese these days. I know. I mean, look outside the window. We've boundless plans to share. What a lovely turn of phrase you have, George. Very poetic. You should write that down. Incidentally, you've reminded me of another issue I've been meaning to reply to. That's right. The letter referring to the exportation of the remains of deceased Chinese by their countrymen. I have reported on it. Yesterday afternoon, I proceeded with the city health officer, Henry Graham, to a store on Campbell's Wharf where the deceased Chinamen are placed awaiting shipment to China. I found the store cool and well-ventilated. There was no offensive smell. There were piled up a number of wooden cases, well-made and lined with tin. Besides these, I found a large number, buried under sand, in all nearly 200 cases. I inquired of the Chinese merchants from whence the bodies came. They replied, from various parts of the colony, and that a good many more were expected down the country for shipment. I further inquired if the deaths of these Chinamen and the diseases of which they died had been duly registered according to law, but this they did not know. I ascertained that those under sand had recently died, within days, weeks or more. The others had been dead a considerable length of time. At first I intended to open one or two of the coffins, but was informed by one of the Chinamen that if the tin was opened, there would be a great stink. 
I therefore refrained. The universal experience of medical men leads to the conclusion that human remains in a state of petrification taint the atmosphere and render it dangerous to health. Although the bodies are well cased in tin and wood, yet from accidental causes inhalation might take place and the poison spread throughout the atmosphere. So there are just these bodies sitting by the wharf, Inspector? Well, it's common, you know, for bodies to be returned to China. There just seems to be a delay with the shipment. But what a lonely thought to be dead and so far from home. These letters are particularly revealing about the attitude of Sydneysiders to our Chinese community. As a visibly different community, they were often targeted um, as a scapegoat and blamed for disease and dissolution. Now, in the first letter, the hairdresser is complaining about the Chinese business next door. They didn't approve of their living standards or the amount of timber stored on the premises. But many of the Chinese in the inner city were actually furniture makers and cabinet makers. And so this probably was a furniture making business. So having timber on the premises was really par for the course. What is interesting about this letter is that the inspector of nuisances ignores the implicit racism of the complaint and merely inspects the premises for cleanliness and gives it a clean bill of health. Now, other attempts were made to exclude the Chinese from Sydney life. In 1888, the Anti-Chinese League wrote to the Mayor of Sydney, demanding that they be furnished with the names of property owners who rented houses to Chinese tenants. Presumably, they wanted this for the purpose of harassing them. The council responded that his worship regrets he is unable to furnish such information. The second letter provides us with an important insight into Chinese cultural practices. Now, the repatriation of remains back to China was very important for the Chinese diaspora. It maintained their cultural connections to their villages. Trade between Sydney and Canton was constant, and so cultural connections were easily maintained through village societies or tongs. From the letters received by the city council, repatriation of bones or remains were often done in group lots. It's a side of Sydney that most people don't think about, but the letters in our archive show that despite some racism, there was a level of tolerance for difference and cultural practices here in Sydney. Letters of complaint was produced by Black Cat Productions, Maeve Marsden, Artistic Director, in collaboration with the City of Sydney. Performances by Anna Martin, George Kemp and Jennifer Wong. To read the original full-length letters from the archives, go to the National Library's Trove catalogue, trove.nla.gov.au and search for Letters of Complaint City of Sydney Archives.